rbi.com podcast you're listening to part two of talking tecmo with ben schwartz our guest today ben finished third at the 2016 omaha nebraska tecmo bowl tournament tell me i got a, uh, i got a somewhat related question here since we're talking about uh distinct quarterback styles i've watched online some of the games you've played against nate and i've never actually met nate i've never even talked to him but one thing I noticed is he, he does something different with his quarterback. Like he advances the quarterback towards the line of scrimmage. Is that what he does? Or was I just seeing something that wasn't there? But like does, it doesn't seem like he drops back. You know, he, it's like as soon as he can, he moves that quarterback up. <laughs> well, he used to quarterback run a lot, like up the gut. So I think it's, it's a function of that. It's like a habit. But... <laughs> Um, there's certain teams like, like the Cowboys, for instance, on their pass one, Danny White's arm isn't that great. And there's certain instances with Dallas where the window isn't that big. So I do the same thing with certain teams and I want to drive my quarterback to the line of scrimmage to shorten the length of my throw. Um, and okay. so that's why I do it. I think Nate just does it because it's a habit. Cause there's a lot of times where he has a dude open that he wants to throw to and then he accidentally crosses the line of scrimmage and and curses under his breath um but and and nate's also different like he's more of a keep his quarterback in the pocket i'm more of a roll out type of guy so a lot of times i won't say a lot of times but i'd say at least once maybe twice a game he will incur a coverage sack because he didn't move his quarterback out of the pocket so yeah, he, he stays in the pocket a bit more than I am, and, and I think fortunately I can exploit that with an occasional uh, defensive lineman, you know, computer drone that'll sack him. I am, I do, I roll out. I usually roll out to the top, and the, the reason I wanted to ask about it was if it was some sort of like cutting-edge quarterbacking technique, I was going to try and bite that style, but it turns out, from what you're saying, I may as well just keep rolling to the top. <laughs> And, Unless I'm Trudeau, then I roll to the side of the field I want to throw to. Yeah, and <laughs> that's and I'm with you there too. It's like, well, with Elway, it doesn't really matter which way you roll because his arm strength. Right. But um, that's also it. Also, kind of lends itself to knowing what kind of coverages you're going to see and who's going to be open. And so, like when I'm in pass one with Denver, and if you're a top defensive end or you're a top defensive back. I pretty much know you're going to have that top receiver on lockdown. So I'm immediately rolling down. So my throw to the tight end or the bottom receiver is, is shorter. Um, so some of that just has to do with, with being able to pre-snap read and then, you know, your anticipation factor. And sometimes I just, I screw up and I roll the wrong way or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I have learned that uh, um, later in the day, you play someone plays you the better their chances and if your son is thirsty they stand an excellent chance to make that a competitive game yeah i i will agree with that <laughs> you know that's funny when i play nate is, is i'm a morning 
to midday person and and he is more of a night person and so we got together and i smoked him one we played like a, a whole friday and i think at one point i was something ridiculous like nine and two against him and then about nightfall <laughs> nate perks up and <laughs> and so we we did a best of seven to finish out the day and so we started at like six o'clock or maybe you know, I'd say maybe more like five o'clock. I got up three games to nothing, and then I lost four in a row. So, <laughs> so <laughs> probably something to. But it, if I'm mentally alert, I'm in the zone, and as the day goes on, I feel like I lose my sharpness, my mental focus a little bit. So definitely want to play me after six p.m. <laughs> Everyone write that down. Yeah. So otherwise, well, Make a note. I have a secret weapon and it's called Dr. Pepper. So <laughs> it's the right amount of caffeine that gets me in the zone. I've rode Dr. Pepper to some big wins in my day. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. There's a, <clears throat> there's a matchup that involves Cleveland's defense that I kind of want to talk to you about. And it's Dallas. So I thought we'd throw in a little bit of strategy here. One of the things that people, well, that we do against Dallas is I like to call shotgun against Dallas a lot because it, it puts, I believe it puts Dixon on the top receiver on pass one. So you have hand, you have Frank Minifield, the bottom receiver, and he gets to cover the tight end and the bottom receiver. They're both slow and they're both in pretty close proximity to each other. Are you are you uh, seeing Dallas's pass one in your head by chance? No, I'm not. Okay, but yeah, top receiver goes out, tight end, bottom. Me, I'm gonna put you on speaker here for a second. I'm okay. gonna look it up. In their pass one, when the top guy gets covered, I'm trying to bring up my little sheets here so I can find it also. All right, Dallas pass one. I'm looking at it. The tight end kind of comes up as across the. From the bottom to the top at an angle. Yep. And the bottom receiver runs an in, basically. How yeah. deep does that bottom receiver go? Oh, he ends up going. They end up at about the same depth, uh, only a yard or two, maybe you know three or four yards at most separates them. Um, but the the bottom receiver runs. He runs a crossing pattern straight up as to where the tight end slants. So you get some separation initially, but they end up like within a couple yards of each other when they stop. Um, okay. So so when you're playing Dallas, I'll call shotgun, pass two. I'll be Frank Minifield, and he's the bottom defensive back. So he's in the position. He can kind of sit in the zone between the two and literally scare you off of a throw, force you into making a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a defense I like to sit in. And then what you have to do to counter that is you have to do a lot of run to the bottom run with Herschel to um, to try and get me out of that defense is, is what I'm trying to accomplish with, with Herschel Walker there. So Because Frank, Frank will be blocked on run two, correct? Yes, yeah. if, if, he's in, if he's in pass two, he's blocked. And Frank is the slower of the two. So... You know, the once you chuck your blocker and Herschel's got a head of steam, you know, you have a little bit of work to do to catch up. The uh, uh, in my experience, 
Frank is really good in coverage, right? There's not a huge difference between what you can do with him and what you can do with Hanford. Other, you know, Hanford's a little faster, but Frank does not change direction nearly as well yep. as Hanford does. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, it, he can be kind of a liability, especially against a good running back. The the one good thing with, with Cleveland's defense, too, is there's times where if you get hung up with a minifield, with a blocker, computer-controlled Dixon, a lot of times he comes down and can make a play, make a diving tackle, and assist for you. So this is where, like, the hash marks come into play. If you're at the top hash mark and you're minifield and you get blocked – you know, Herschel can kick that way to the bottom and stay out of out of Dixon's reach as a computer defender. So this is where, like, the chess match starts to occur. You know, like, hey, I'm at the bottom hash mark. This part of this side of the field is compressed. Let me call that pass, too. Let's see what happens. But if you're at the top hash mark, I'm less likely to do that against Dallas because I don't want to get I don't want to get hung up on a blocker and give Herschel that whole bottom side of the field. So that's where you have to make some deviations in your calls. Um, that's where you that's where you can go Hanford Dixon up top and you can make that bottom run call. Go bunk bed with Hanford from the top hash mark there. So, okay. so you know, just two guys at the back end of the defense, but there's a lot of different looks you can give them. I just love the 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 nuances, you know. I don't, I won't say it's com it's a complex game, but if you don't understand how it works, it seems like you can't do anything against a good player. So, Tech Mobile is a lot like uh, Mario Kart, in my opinion, in that it's extremely accessible for someone to just pick it up and play it for the first time, understand the basics of how it goes. Um, but it's all, it's difficult to learn all the little tricks and shortcuts and cheats using yeah. the, the Mario Kart example. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, the way, all the way, you can shave just a few seconds off your time, right? But that can be the difference mm-hmm. between someone else who's really good at that game. And it takes a while to learn how to do that stuff. And yeah. I think Tech Mobile is the same way. You have been playing this game nonstop for 30 years, and so you have a whole lifetime game experience yeah. for you know pretty much anyone you're going to play yeah and the trick with Techno Bowl is with with the different teams player personnel matchups playbooks there are so many variables uh, but you know like name a team and i guarantee i've played against nate with them at least 30 times at minimum i've played against them at least 30 times minimum so um, so there's not much mystery left for how tech football works for us. So. And that's like, I could give you my every last game plan note. Also, if you don't have the application of it, you don't quite understand how it works. You know, a lot of it is just understanding, like, not only what the call is, but, but why it is and what you're trying to accomplish, you know? So, cause well, I mean, it's, there's knowing what to do, and then there's executing it when the time comes. Yeah. When exactly. I was 12 years old, my dad taught me how to swing a golf club, right? And he was a, he was a really good golfer in his younger years. He taught me the you know the the perfect swing, how to how to do it perfectly. I can't do it <laughs> when it comes time to actually hit the ball. Uh, I slice it all the time. Okay. So even though I know what I'm supposed to do. 
when it comes actually to to doing it, I'm not capable of pulling it off. And I think that's uh, applicable to this situation as well. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like I said, it's just reps, so many repetitions, knowing, you know, we've seen the same thing over and over. And uh, a lot of times the personnel is different, but I'll use a slow, you know, maybe I have a fast guy on team X and a slow guy on team Y. I'll still use the slow guy and I can still pull off the defensive scheme I want just because I have the reps or the understanding of everything. I have noticed that about you. When I'm on defense, I stick generally to good players, right? Not necessarily the best one every time. Like if I'm Denver, I don't always call Mecklenburg. In fact, I call Rulon Jones an awful lot when I play Denver, even though or play as Denver, even though he's objectively not nearly as good as Mecklenburg. <clears throat> you, however, like you'll be bums. You'll be <laughs> shitty players. And I, I can't pull that off. Well, it's just, yeah, it's, it's knowing every last detail of the scheme and every, you know, it's the Bill Belichick, do your job. I know, I know how to get bums to do their job. I think Nate would probably agree, or he would, he would say this more than anybody that knows me is like, he, he really does not like to play me when I have a bum defense. Cause I'll do some wacky stuff. <laughs> I'll, 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 you know, like he's more of a bunk bed defense guy than I am. And he likes to use his defensive backs a lot more. I'm more of a front seven, but uh, I'll just pull out, you know, weird stuff that I don't normally do with, with bad defenses. And there's always a rhyme and a reason to it, but um, I should say I'm less predictable with a bad defense. And I don't think Nate likes that. Nate does not like it when I have to think about things in technical. <laughs> does not like that at all. So, you know, usually in football, you want your opponent thinking because it slows down. But in Tecmo, you know, you can stop and, and you can actually think for a moment and, and then figure out what you're going to do. So, so advantage to me, I guess. Well, Tecmo Bowl, like a lot of, like a lot of things, a lot of video games, especially, subverting expectations is <laughs> a big part of it right yeah <laughs> another football game uh i never lost to mallory but we used to all hang out at a friend's house a million years ago when i still lived in north platte i'd take my xbox over to a friend's house and we would play madden or ncaa college football and one of my friend's roommates mallory did not know anything about she didn't know any anything about football she didn't realize that you couldn't run the ball on third and 18. So she would do it and she'd get the first down because we had called dime or whatever, you know, what, what you're supposed to do. So she was free of any sort of knowledge of football and it was almost a, an advantage <laughs> when she was playing Madden because she would do some weird shit. <laughs> I run into that myself because I'm used to technically and fundamentally sound dudes like Nate, Cam, Derek. And so sometimes when I play somebody off the street, I overthink things. My best bet offensively against somebody off the street is just to pull, to pick plays out of a hat offensively. Throw away what I know about defense when I have the ball because these guys aren't going to know that much. So I agree with that. Right. Sometimes uh, ignorance can be an advantage because you're less predictable. There was something I was going to talk about 
you and I played a game. I was Seattle and you were Indy. This was this was like a year ago. And you were running a base defense, bottom run, be Dwayne Bickett, which is perfectly fine. And then you'd mix in some pass calls. And one of your traits that I picked up on was I learned on like third and two, I could always run to the top and get those two yards with uh, Kurt Warner because Bickett couldn't, couldn't beat him to the top. And that's a good example of just having a little deviation in your calls that, um, you know, if you could have thrown in a, I'm going to call a top run here and be John Hand, you know, those sort of little little tweaks that um, you can catch people on. And I suppose also during the game, I probably, since I knew you were being Bickett, I wouldn't run to the top on like um, first and 10, second and 10. I was probably only doing it on short yardage situations. So like had you snuck up to be John Hand and then threw out a pass play on defense or something, you probably would have nailed me on a play pick. Or had I figured like, oh, he might relent from calling run with Bickett. I'm going to run down there to the bottom. And then you could have used Hand to slide down, make a tackle for like a two-yard gain. So, you know, those are little things that people don't think about that are pretty subtle little deviations just the trick is to you know to have the experience and understanding of like when to throw those in that that kind of stuff being less predictable is that's like the next thing i need to do to advance beyond where i am now as a player in my opinion uh anyway because i feel like i i understand the the basics of how the game works better than most people which is why i probably wouldn't lose to too many people who just walked in off the street either. Yeah. But against the against people who do play the game and are creative and, and have a better understanding of it, I can I can be pretty easy to read. <laughs> Richie kind of picked up on your defensive on what you were doing. I think that was a game where he was Chicago and you were LA. And I think he was picking up on that. So he would he would call a certain run play at a certain time. Cause he was kind of locking into your, your patterns and stuff. So. And so yeah, no, he, he, he called a, he, he called a, a good game and ran, he ran with the quarterback effectively in short, mm-hmm. uh, short yardage situations, which I gotta be honest with you. I have no idea how to stop that. I don't know. Other than trying to get a play pick. I, I'm not sure how to take do pass coverage while also preventing him from sneaking for the two yards or whatever he needs for a first down. I I wish you could have saw Richie at the Omaha tournament because he lost his, his four games. Well, let's see. He lost all three group play games by about a score of like 110 to 10. Then he got smoked. (laughs) He was like the, he was the, what was he? The 16 seed. I don't know. He was, he played Derek in his first round game in the, in the tournament and then got smoked. So, but Richie, even though he didn't play a lot from the tournament to when we got together, I spent a lot of time talking to him about, you know, Hey, look at these check down routes. Don't make mistakes, run the ball. So while he wasn't actually practicing, I could tell he was absorbing the information mentally. So when he played us, he was a different player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. I, you uh, you kind of rooked me with a ringer yeah. because you told me it wasn't very good, and then, and then I got there and it's like, oh wait a minute, 
no, he's a pretty goddamn good player, well, and, and I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> well, and that's that's what I tell people is with just like an hour to like I can take you from the bottom of the barrel to about the middle of the pack. Just you know, work with me for a bit, and um, you know, it's 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 raising up the top half of the the ladder that's really hard. But I can take about next to anybody and turn them into a, a you know fairly competent or decent player. And then um, you were just in kind of a tough matchup. L.A. and Chicago is just it's he was doing some unfundamentally sound stuff with Chicago, which I would not do against L.A. But because Chicago has so much defensive speed and power like it was working for him so so yeah richie is uh he's he's okay man he's okay yeah i was i was thinking about that uh that matchup with one well, i think chicago's just you know they're obviously a way better team than la but you know like brandon i'm pretty sure brandon would beat me if i was la and he was chicago you know so i i probably lose that matchup to most decent players because i'm not I'm not slick enough to to overcome those deficiencies. And boy, I have a real strong distaste for Howie Long after that game. He let me down. I needed more from Howie. Yeah, and I didn't get it. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's also you know McMahon or uh, Walter Payton is him and Dickerson and and Bo Jackson are the the holy trinity of Tecmo running backs. But against Chicago, really, it it helps to have a good topside defender. And, you know, which you didn't. And there's a few times where had you done a deviation like I talked about, switch up, go to that top, you know, that top bum up top. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's something that we can work on. And, and you know, because once you get a little extra deviation to your game, man, it's that's when you really start locking down on defense. So And so, yeah, L.A. just doesn't have the personnel to really shut down Chicago. Um, I think you also threw at least one pick. Schrader has a horrible arm. Him, him and McMahon are both, they both have uh, weak throwing arms. So um, I turned the ball over a couple of times because I, I don't recall exactly how many times I turned the ball over. It was pretty ugly. Um, at least I think a couple of those instances was I threw to a receiver I did not intend to throw mm-hmm. to yep. because I didn't, I didn't know I didn't think the ball was going to be going there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely revert to my uh, my receiver routes, my progression routes before I play with LA, um, and sometimes I take a glance before the snap, just cause, yeah, that's that's a tough team because they, you know, like Brown will do this crossing route and and uh, Christensen will go deep and then Allen sneaks out on the wheel route and then the next play the whole thing shifts one piece, you know, or however you want to say it. And so it's, yeah, it's easy to, to mistake, mistakenly throw to the wrong place when you think you're, you're one click away. Speaking of Richie, I talked to him a lot about checking down, making the safe throw. And then I could tell that he absorbed that a little too literally because the game where you were Indy and he was New York, um, you were showing Bickett, bottom outside linebacker, like all game long, and he would have that top guy open immediately at the snap, but he was hesitant to throw up there. Like he could have just hit you for seven yards of pop all day long, but he was waiting for that Bavaro out route, you know, or waiting to let things uh, develop. 
I could tell that he he was still absorbing the information and and you know maybe it's just me because I've played a thousand games of Tecmo, but within like a millisecond, I already know you know what I'm seeing, you know, and and I don't think he processes it quite as fast or you know doesn't have the reps or whatever. In uh, I've played him a couple of times. He's reticent to take any sort of risk, right? And I, I recognize that because I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like a, a, a nice, safe game plan. Mm-hmm. And he's he's definitely in the same mold in that regard. Yeah. Um, and it's but, a. No, he's a. I got a, I got a lot of respect for him as a player. And it's he's, a, it's he's a, good. Well, he he attended the free. We did a free tournament, like a couple weeks before the the twenty seventeen tournament here in town. And if he had a couple guys open and there was a defender somewhere in the area, like he was just gonna throw it in there and see what happened. And he did that a lot at the free tournament, which he he managed to get to the. There was like five or six guys, and so he played in the championship game but lost. Um, but then he got smoked at the real tournament. But yeah, he was he was throwing caution to the wind and just putting the ball wherever he thought it might fit in there. So uh, he definitely refined his game. But you're right, he was too um, too cautious. And it reminded me of a guy I played in Houston in the semifinal. Nate beat him twenty four to seven in group play, and his takeaway or what what he did was he knew he couldn't throw interceptions against us because if he threw, you know, one or two and lost the turnover battle, he would get smoked. So he had Cleveland. I had Indy. And a lot of times he had that top guy open for a safe, you know, six, seven yard pass. And he was just, wasn't sure that, you know, every, you know, he could fire it in there. And so once I figured out that, that he was kind of gun shy, I could just, I could play a defense I wanted to with Dwayne Bickett. And, uh, you know, he probably got three first downs in that game. Unfortunately for me, he was picking my play at like a 60% clip when he was on defense, so I only won 7 nothing. But, <laughs> but, like, he you had know. That, he had that mind control on you. Yeah, but yeah, but he, I don't know that he crossed the 50 on me all game. And uh, <laughs> and he had some, some guys open that Cam and Derek and Nate would just, they would beg for in a normal game of Tecmo between the four of us. He was he was just too scared to make mistakes. I got now there's a question I asked uh, asked you over uh, Facebook Messenger and you said it was complicated but I knew whenever we did this podcast I for sure wanted to ask you this question. All right let's use the Den- the Denver defense for example. Okay. Uh on defense, you can obviously – you really only need one in theory, right? You can only control one player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Denver secondary, one, is criminally underrated. I think they are underpowered, and they would probably get patched if this was a modern game. But that's a whole other thing uh, where I start foaming at the mouth about perceived errors with Denver's roster composition. But anyway, they're not really good enough where you want to – be them, but they are better than some defensive backs in the game. So how useful is it having Smith and Harden back there if you're Mecklenburg or Ruvon Jones up front? Do they help you? Do they, what's what's the difference between them and shitbirds like Miami have? 
Uh, I think Smith and Harden are... Gosh, I'd have to look it up. I wish I should have had the, the speed ratings here in front of me. I think they might be 15 speeds, which is the same as Offerdahl, but some guys have a lower... They have a worse initial and a worse acceleration. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're... If their starting and accelerating speeds are really low, but their top speed of 15, you know, is okay, it's serviceable. Offered all feel, having played a fair bit with all these guys, offered all feels a lot faster. Yeah, and he, he might have a, a good initial speed where he starts, like his first step is closer to his max speed than other players. So let me sidetrack just a minute. Wilbur freaking Marshall of Washington, I think his, he's a 14 speed which <laughs> is pretty low, but his initial and acceleration are like elite level. So at the snap, he's cooking. Like, you know, I thought he was like a 16 or something, like a Carl Banks, and he's actually pretty slow. There's always that factor, you know, what's their acceleration? What's their initial? Back to your question. Um, bunk bed is always an option with those guys, for sure. Especially, like, say, um, say, um, playing indie, for example. Um, let me draw this up here. I'm trying to find, like, a really good example that I can throw out here to you. Um, and actually, maybe New York would be a better example. Okay, say I'm, say I'm Denver and I'm playing New York. It's, it's third and, third and two at the, uh, top hash mark. Mecklenburg's kind of useless in this matchup against the run, so like that's a situation where I would go top DB, which I believe that's Harden up there, and I would go bunk bed with run two. Um, just uh, Rulon Jones, is, he's okay, but from the top hash mark, I don't know if I'm going to catch Joe Morris, uh, you know, on a two yard or or, or less gain. So um, I definitely scheme there. Also, when you go. Pass two against New York. The bottom receiver on the curls is covered. So that's where you might throw in your top defensive back of Denver just because you're, you know, say it's third and seven or something. I might do that against against New York just because I'm coming up towards their receivers that are open. So um, there's, de yeah, there's definitely ways, positions that I would use Harden. I'm pretty sure it's Harden up there at the top. Um, I believe you are correct. Yeah. What, what I'm ask, what I'm what I'm asking about though is like on a play where I am Rulon Jones. Okay. Is it better to have those guys with better stats back? Is there an appreciable difference having them back there compared to Miami's defensive backs? Mm. Like I think of the worst in the game. Yeah. Or does it not? They're probably 14 speed. I would say not really. Okay. If I remember right, Mike Harden had like 18 picks in like a three-year period but it was like 84 85 and 86 or maybe it was 20 picks but Tecmo Bowl is loosely based off 1987 for the most part but it reflects some player movement going into 88 and so perhaps Harden you know I mean you had Japanese programmers that were looking at stats so if they saw a safety didn't have a lot of uh, interceptions, you know, they would have maybe made an assumption that he wasn't very good. Also, if you if you give, you know, Mike Harden, if you make him one of the best defenders in the game, you have a pretty good DN in Jones, 
you have a really good linebacker that you can do some scheming with with Mecklenburg, and then you'd have a really good DB. So all of a sudden, Denver has one of the best defenses in the game, and so maybe they would feel like Denver would be overpowered because their offense or defense. I think sometimes you have to knock a guy on his abilities to get the – I would rather have the team – correct than than every single individual player if that makes sense for sure yeah harden and smith in real life i think they in their bronco careers they combined for like 50 interceptions they both had about 30 uh, yeah i believe it uh, and i'm sure dennis were, i think dennis smith actually had a bunch of pro bowl trips but it was it was after it was like, you know, like maybe 89, 90. Like, I think the latter part of his, his best, career yeah. was better. His, his best year was his best year was 89. Yeah. And, he, was, he was an all pro that year. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, maybe that's another thing was he was maybe just a young player just coming into his own. So his stats reflected that. And so, therefore, um, he wasn't made better in Tecmo, but... So. Simon Fletcher, like the year or so after Tecmo Bowl came out, embarked on like a six-year mm -hmm. run yeah. as you know a pretty a pretty dominant pass rusher. Yeah, and he's really good on he's really good on Super Bowl. Yeah, he is. But boy, if he had that, if you had that stud top outside linebacker on that Denver defense, you wouldn't need anything else. Yeah, really. And that's just another example. Like if you added one more really good piece to Denver's defense. They'd be a, you know, they could be like a top three or top four. They're pretty close to that as is, but maybe then Denver would be the, f f you know, fourth best team or third best team or something. And so, which, um, yeah. you know, when I look at the NFL from those days, um, like usually the best AFC team would have been about the fifth, you know, the fourth or fifth best team in the league. And that's kind of <laughs> how it plays out in Tech Mobile as well. So, so strangely enough, the you know maybe it's inadvertently, but the Japanese programmers, they really nailed a lot of teams in hind. You know, looking back 25, 30 years ago, like I was like, damn, these guys really, really hit the nail on the head with their with their uh, programming and the, the ratings and stuff. Denver, if I recall correctly, absorbed a historic beatdown. That was against Washington in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, that Super was Bowl twenty two. Yeah, just got annihilated. So you can't really make them better than the good teams from the NFC because they had demonstrated, uh, I think, the previous two years that they had gone to the Super Bowl and mm -hmm. got wet. So you know you can't you can't make them too good. But again, yeah. I'm a Broncos fan, so I'm yeah. kind of a homer. I think they I think they represented Denver pretty well in general with Tech Mobile. Like yeah, said, it's, yeah, and. And I, against people that don't know, you know, what to call against them defensively, like, pff, I'll take Denver as, you know, as well as anybody else. They're not too shabby, not too shabby at all. <clears throat> so I know you like to be the Browns. What's, what's some other teams that you really like to play with? Uh, well, we were kind of talking before we got started here, but traditionally back in the 80s and 90s, my favorite team was Miami. I like to play as Denver a lot. and. Um, Cleveland and Indy would be that would be the four teams that I enjoy playing with uh, the most. I like playing, oddly enough, it's fun to play as Minnesota until the games against the computer get too hard. <laughs> and, then it, 
then it's not near as much fun. They have really fun receiving targets in their defense. Uh, oh yeah, you know, it's it's nice to to play as Dolman and uh, Browner. I yes. think it's their, he's their top safety, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's like a Dave yeah. Duerson, Hanford Dixon. He's up there with those guys. Not Ronnie yeah. Lott level, but the next, uh, as we like to so, say, he can do some things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a he's a stud, and that's a fun team to play as, but. Like I would struggle to enter a code and try and win the Super Bowl with Minnesota. I think it was Washington against Denver in the in the Super Bowl with the code, and I made a rule where I had to go through the off. I had to do a circle through the offensive playbook every time, and every time I called the wide receiver run play with Denver, it was a five yard loss. I, I couldn't <laughs> like I don't know if it was Rulon Jones came in blew up the blocker. And then, like, I had no time. I couldn't shake him you know, or, or, or chuck him off. Like, I was five-yard loss every time. Well, yeah, uh, late late in the Tecmo season, it is extremely difficult to run, no matter who your running back is. Or really, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. It's hard to run. Yeah, those those 25-yard runs get shut down to about seven or eight at best. <laughs> yeah. Which is... But, again, it's... It's that's what it's like when you play someone else. Like you're not constantly ripping off forty yard runs against people. Yeah, I agree. It's if you can get a, a ten yard run, a first down, that's awesome. That doesn't happen a whole lot when uh-huh. you have to do it against a, another human being. It's a nice simulation in that regard. It is. Thing I need to get out to uh, Papillion and and play some more games. I want to get Brandon over the next time I'm out. You know, we'll have to get Richie over, and we could have a. We could set up with two TVs, and we could just kind of rotate opponents in and out. And I think that'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I'll see how yeah. Richie is progressing yeah. as a player. And uh, yeah, it would. Uh, I'm still looking for tech mobile weirdos here in Fairbury, so I can get some get some games without having to drive two hours. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, uh, few and far between, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what. That's why the uh, the ridiculousness that Nintendo pulled with the NES Classic uh, Mini burned my ass so much. It's not necessarily that I really wanted one. Most of the games on there that I would want to play, I actually already have. And I've got a Retron 5. <laughs> so I can play those games whenever I want. What I wanted was for people to rediscover Tech Mobile yeah. and realize how awesome it is and realize how much better it is than Tecmo Super Bowl. So people would stop talking about that all the time and would talk about the original. And then I could get some games without having to drive clear across the goddamn state. <laughs> well, Nintendo, Nintendo, for reasons known only to God, didn't make enough of those things. You know, so many people who wanted one couldn't get one. And now they're not even making them anymore. My thought is, as someone who puts on tournaments, I figured... You know, the size of Omaha with the suburbs, like, you know, we're probably 500,000 or something here. I was thinking, you know, we're going to get two, three, four, five hundred 500 people. They're going to have these systems, you know, for Christmas and, and throughout the year. And so it's going to be easy to draw in people for tournaments because, you know, they're going to play this and they'll have more accessibility to playing Tech Mobile, et cetera, et cetera. So when the sales campaign was a major flop, you know, it's just like, uh, 
it uh, <laughs> it stole my thunder as a tournament promoter as well. It's like, damn it. Thanks, Nintendo. Yeah, that was a huge fucking fail. And uh, now, even though, like, I legit want one of the Super Nintendo ones. I want every game on that thing is amazing. But I, they're going to do the same. They're not going to produce enough. And what they don't seem to realize, or they don't care, is that the only people they hurt when they do this are the people who are dying to give them friggin' money. Yeah. Because it leaves, it leaves you at the mercy of scalpers who snap up 10 of them as soon as they come in and then try and sell them for five or six times MSRP, what they should be sold for. And then it does not have to be that way. How much can it cost Nintendo to make these things? They can't, they own all the licenses. There can't be more than five dollars worth of materials in these things. Yeah. God, God damn Nintendo. No one wasn't a phone with that Nintendo. And then uh, <laughs> one of the speculations was, you know, and this is just a rumor or speculation, but the thought was that if the NES Mini really took off and they sold millions and millions of these, like it could take away from the thunder of the Nintendo Switch. Like it was an ego thing, like, oh, this is, you know, like this thing's going to rival our brand new product that's coming out. And, you know, with Nintendo, you never know. It could be true. I heard kind of a conspiracy theory that goes the other way with it. There's a YouTuber I follow who uh, posited that he thought it was basically like a backdoor hype campaign for the Switch. Uh, yeah, I can right? see that. We'll the, see. The, the, the Wii U kind of fell flat, and I got a Wii U, and I think it's a great system, but no one owns this, that thing. Um, it was a failure. So people weren't thinking about Nintendo, and they got Switch uh, coming out, but their last new console fell flat, so they kind of you know, reached back in time to stuff that everybody loves to get people thinking about Nintendo again. And when he was saying that, I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't remember when the Wii U came out, but it's been a few years, so if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like 2012, I think we got our Yeah. So I've heard the same the same thing that there was such a big gap that Nintendo was, you know, just trying to get itself, you know, back on the back on the the map to gain some some uh footing and then bring out the Nintendo Switch, but had they bothered to look at, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> um, you know, like there was like around that time, like I would just type in Tech Mobile on a search and man, about the time they, they talked about the release date when they first announced it, there's like 200 tweets in one day about Tech Mobile, you know, which is unheard of. You can imagine how many people tweeted about, you know, the other games, you know, Super Mario or whatever was on there so so yeah said so they people just... were ready to love it man mm -hmm. they were ready to love tech mobile again yeah and nintendo didn't give them the chance yeah rotten bastards. so <laughs> you know and they said they i i assume they won't ever fire that that up and and produce anymore but maybe if we're lucky you know a year down the road they they will but uh, they probably won't. They probably won't. They're probably moving on. So, yeah, I'm sure the Switch seems like it's a big hit. So I'm sure they people at Nintendo probably haven't even thought about the NES Classic Mini since they released it. <laughs> they forgot about it immediately. <laughs> I, that's. I think that's about all I got, man. Yeah. All my questions have been answered. Okay. 
Mr. Ben, I would like to thank you for joining us on the Technobull versus RBI podcast, and um, definitely like to do this again, just to help me throw out some content. So, uh, so you know, sometime in the future, if you want, we can break down some different teams and you know matchups, you know, whatever you want to do, man. That sounds good to me. Thank you very much for having me. All right, talk to you later, buddy.